The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded September 20th, 2018. Enjoy. Welcome to the October... October edition of Life in the Tax Lane. It's a Halloween edition, Caitlin. Oh, How can you yes. This is so excited. I'm going to dress up as, I don't know, Dracula. You don't or need to dress up, Joe. Every day is like Halloween. <laughs> Uh, this is our Thanksgiving edition. So oh. let's move to things we can be thankful for, which is, hey, in October I get turkey on Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and Halloween candy. Oh, <laughs> yummy, yummy. But you know what else we do get, Hugh? Wine. Which takes us to our first case, donation of wine. Smooth. I know. So this is the concept here. You make a great big donation of fancy wines. How much is it worth? How much of a donation receipt do you get? Well, in this case here, $23,000 was the number. How do they get that number? Well, it was an Ontario case, and the LCBO manages the liquor there, and their sale price for this item, or these items, was $23,000. So that's what they wanted to claim, but the judge said no. We don't look at what you can buy it from, the LCBO. We look at what you could sell it from, you sell it for. Now, you're not the LCBO, so you don't get their prices. They took a look at the closest market for it, and they found that to be in the United States, which was probably about four times less than what the LCBO was actually selling it for uh, up in Canada. Therefore, that was the limit of what the judge was uh, willing to accept. However, CRA was even a little bit more generous than that. So the judge said, count your lucky stars, you got more than I would have given you. <laughs> so that's what happened in that case. Yeah, so let's get switch gears. So you don't have any really valuable wine to donate. All you have is a life insurance policy, but it's actually pretty valuable. Mm -hmm. So we have a fantastic article that talks about a couple ways that you can use that life insurance policy to donate to charities to better the community. The first option would be to actually designate a charity as the beneficiary mm -hmm. of the uh, of the life insurance policy. So when you die, it's a payday for the charity. So they're happy, but they're not. They're not the only ones that are happy because when you die on your terminal tax return, you get to claim a donation tax credit on the policy, so that's pretty great. In the alternative, however, if you don't want to designate a charity as a beneficiary, you could actually just take that life insurance policy and gift it to the charity. Mm -hmm. Now that comes with a few more complexities and challenges. Essentially with that, you have a disposition of the policy that in many cases triggers a taxable income inclusion, triggering tax to be paid. However, you would also get a donation tax credit based on that policy. You know, Katie, one of the things about this that uh, that could be pretty neat, you really need to look at your policy, uh, but the, the amount of the donation is the fair market value of your policy. So if you're mm -hmm. you're really sick or, or something like that, it might have a very high fair market mm -hmm. value. Is that a planning strategy? <laughs> sure, get sick, no problem. <laughs> so that's one thing. You can get a huge credit for it, but you mentioned that there is a potential taxable part. Well, that taxable part is is based on the difference between the cash surrender value and the adjusted cost basis. Now, those could be very low numbers. There could be a very low spread. So the tax could be very low while well, you get this big donation receipt. So you've definitely got to look at your policy to mm -hmm. see what you really get out yeah. of it. I think the challenge is it's pretty difficult to get some of those numbers, so you'll probably have you to know, get... Joe, I can look at my policy, yeah. and mm -hmm. what I'm going to see is, well, there's my cash surrender value, mm -hmm. and there's what I get when I die, and here's the premiums I have to pay, mm -hmm. and what is that actually worth? Well, I'm going to be on the phone to an actuary because they're the only right. people qualified yeah. to figure that out. And 
big deal because I got to talk to the insurance company anyway to figure out some of the other numbers I need for yeah. this. But certainly something worth considering. And as the article astutely pointed out, you know, you're not going to run out and buy life insurance. Most people aren't just yeah. for this purpose. Mm -hmm. But maybe you have a policy that you bought years ago because you needed mortality protection. Well, that was when the kids were three, four, and seven, mm -hmm. and now they're in their 30s and they're out the door. Yeah. You, you just let the policy lapse, or maybe here's an opportunity to yeah. convert that uh, protection while they were young into some philanthropy in your later years, mm -hmm. if that's your inclination. Uh, yeah. Well, one other thing we see uh, dealing with a lot of kids these days, Joe, is the mm -hmm. ones that are in the family business, and right. maybe they're getting dividends, and maybe we're getting worried about the upcoming tax on split income that kicks in in 2018. Well, CRA is starting to get more and more specific questions and answers. And we know one of the exclusions is someone who works regularly and continuously in the business, certain defined bright line tests, or you can go to simple factual reality, doesn't get hit with TOSI on income flowing from that business. But one of the challenges is that's the business, not necessarily the legal entity that owns the business. Maybe I've got a corporation and it's got a construction business and it's got a property management business. And my son works in the property management business, not the construction business. What do I do, CRA? CRA says, well, if he's actively engaged in the property management business, income from that business isn't subject to TOSI. But you better be ready to show us that that's where it came from, that it did not come from the construction business where TOSI applies. Well, how do I do that? Well, they're your records, Mr. Taxpayer. <laughs> You're going to have to carefully account for each business separately trace the funds. How do you do that? You don't declare a dividend from a business. You declare them on the shares of the corporation. corporation yeah. Do yeah. I decide that? Or is it pro rata? Or does CRA decide? We've never had to test this mm -hmm. in yeah, the you past. Document the portion of the dividend. You know, the other question that we got when we were chatting with this is, well, is that two businesses? How do I differentiate one mm -hmm. business from another? Maybe my property management is commercial property management and residential property management. Is that a property management business or is it a commercial property management and a residential property management business? There's an awful lot of complexities to applying these rules mm -hmm. that uh, both we and CRA, I think, are going to grapple yeah. with over the next uh, several months, even years. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we move on to the next topic here, and it has to do with Airbnb. Now, this is the thing. Airbnb, you go online, you book a location, you pay for it. Well, we now see some cooperation between Airbnb and the Revenue Canada Agency, or CRA, and a bunch of other municipalities and jurisdictions where it can start collecting tax on behalf of. So we're seeing that cooperation. We see it in Quebec. Uh, we also see it in Ottawa. Likely, we'll see it across the rest of the country, and not just with Airbnb, but a bunch of other online gathering points and sale points. So just watch out for this trend. It's, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Talking about online sales, for any of you or your clients that advertise online using certain social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, you might be surprised to hear that starting in about the middle of next year, you're going to have to pay GST, HST on your advertising expenses. Why are those particular advertising <laughs> expenses? Why? Well, we've had a little bit of a shift at these two organizations. They're going to move their, some of their operations from offshore in Dublin and bring it back into the local jurisdiction. And that's going to trigger this uh, indirect tax requirement. 
And, you know, both of those yeah. we can expect to see more of because there's a lot more media scrutiny, a lot more public scrutiny, and a lot more questioning of if you're making money here, how come you're not paying tax mm -hmm. here? There's a reputational risk to legal but aggressive offshore and similar yeah. tax planning. Uh, you know, speaking of maybe getting a little too aggressive on my tax planning, what if I'm starting to think maybe I got it wrong? Maybe I didn't report all my online sure, sales. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, well, people make mistakes. Some people make them a little more carelessly than other people make them. But for many years, we've had the voluntary disclosure program at CRA designed to say, let me fix it. Don't hit me with these massive penalties. Maybe cut me a break on interest, but I'll pay my taxes and I'll get caught up. And uh, earlier this year, effective March 1, 2018, the program changed, largely mm -hmm. tightened up. And as a result, we believed an awful lot of people accelerated their disclosures. Right. Mm -hmm. And we now have proof of that. CBC has gotten some numbers. CRA has released that for the 11 weeks prior to the change, they got about 6,600 disclosures. If you look back a year, they only got 3,400 disclosures in the same period, so another 3,200 that we've apparently rushed in. What happened next? Well, they only got about 1,400 the next two months, and they said last year that was more like 4,200. This is a 65% <laughs> decline. Well, if you add those two numbers together for both years, they're pretty comparable. Yeah. So maybe it's just we rushed a lot in and the program will recover. Maybe there is a reduction in usage due to these new rules. Time will tell. Yeah, Moving on to the next topic here, employment insurance. So we've, we've had a pilot project in place for the last little while, and now it's become permanent. Very interesting. Previously, for every dollar of income you earn just after being on leave, there'd be a reduction of your insurance premiums, or pardon me, the insurance paid to you, dollar for dollar. This project reduces that to 50 cents. So you earn a dollar, you get a 50 cent reduction mm -hmm. of benefits up until the point where you're working at least 90% of what you normally work. So that's an interesting program, yeah. now permanent, and it also applies to maternity or sickness benefits. That's new as of yeah. August. I look at it as a great way to kind of keep your foot in the door if you're on mat leave or some of the other types mm -hmm. of benefits. All we have time for today, have a good one. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. That's V-I-D-E-O-T-A-X.com. The preceding information is provided for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, visit videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News Inc. 2018. All rights reserved.